0: Greetings, programs. Welcome to Animatronic, the podcast talking about episodes of Disney's animated television show, Tron Uprising. My name is Duncan Shields, host of Tronologically Speaking, the Movie by Minute podcast talking
1: about 1982's movie, Tron. And I'm Courtney Coulson, reviewing Tron Legacy one minute at a time on Legacy Minute. Episode
0: 7. They pack a lot into these episodes. There's not a lot of silent, slow-moving, contemplative episodes in the Tron Uprising uh, you know, series. So, And it's fun mm. to watch. And it's fun to Yay. talk about. So in this episode, uh, Beck intercepts a secret weapon that gives any program who wears it increased strength and agility. But it also makes the program more aggressive and reckless.
1: Yes, this is called the trope. is called "with great power comes great insanity," and I love it. It is something you see in a lot of cartoons—the sort of performance-enhancing drug metaphor kind of thing. Yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah, Limitless. There was an episode of Doctor Who like that where uh, uh, Doctor Who's human companion got the power of a Time Lord, but uh, he he, and she was really good at it for about two minutes and then you know he was like ah oh, geez i think it was her final episode because uh he, he was, was that like, rose i think which no that wasn't rose uh it was a you sort of she
1: got like god powers or something you know oh, stephen moffat writes well, who, a very complicated story <laughs>
0: who played rose who played rose?
1: uh billy
0: yeah, oh. no, not Billy Piper. No, it's the one, the one after Billy Piper. She's a more more middle aged, uh, or or older. Oh, Donna, yes,
1: Donna! Yes, not, and not middle aged, but a...
0: older than Billy Piper. Billy Piper was like twelve, yes. so
1: yes, an, an adult woman. Yes, an uh, adult
0: woman. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. Uh, Don, Donna Noble. Donna and, Noble. Uh, that's right. And then she,
0: yeah, she breaks down. She can't handle that kind of power, and then he has to erase not only the power from her mind, but also all memory of him in order to cure her from going irreversibly insane
1: i'm quite fascinated by that aspect of this trope as well that you know there's just a certain limit there's a threshold to what your mind or your body can handle and that's there's a terror to that there is yeah. also this fascinating it, it just gets the imagination going because you like to think you could understand everything but well no it's like no, no, no there's that, a limit
0: there's that episode of uh Star Trek with I Hugh when... Uh, they yes. Yeah, or is it iBorg? Okay, yeah. iBorg, I Borg, yes. Where they send... Uh, yeah, they send Hugh back to his collective and one of the ideas that they were going to send back to, uh, you know, sabotage them was an impossible yes. shape. They yeah. were going to put an impossible shape into Hugh's brain that would be downloaded into the collective, and then they wouldn't be able to analyze it because it's impossible, and it would effectively destroy them. And
1: it's funny that it was called an invasive program. It's like it's clearly a virus, but they couldn't call it that. I guess people would understand back in the eighties.
0: Oh, maybe yeah, maybe. Uh, and then there was, uh, but then that's sort of the same thing between like like non-Euclidean geometry in the Cthulhu universe, right? Like, yeah, there's a lot of the dimensional portals that, that Cthulhu opens up is like math that human brains can't get. So you look at it and you go mad because you're like, I don't, those angles don't make sense. And you just... uh
1: yeah, like when you look at those optical illusions, where hang on, how are these two things looping onto each other? That yeah. shouldn't happen. And if that's yeah. in that's your reality, you're in a dimension where that is just how all physics works. Yeah, I think that would uh, that would sort hurt your brain a little bit.
0: Yeah, like what was it? Oh, there was another. There was a really good bit where the there was that astronaut who uh, did the acoustic cover of Major Tom.
1: Oh, yes. Chris something or... Yeah,
0: Hatfield. Chris Hatfield. Yes, Oh, no. I'm not wrong about that. Chris Hatfield is like the lead singer of... Oh, geez. This is a tangent. But he came back to Earth, and he did all these videos up in the space station of like, this is what milk is like in space. This is what fire is like in space. No, it is Chris Hatfield. Oh, it is Chris Hatfield? Okay, cool. Yes.
1: Because that sounded right to me. Now you're confused It it
0: sounded right, but I think... Oh, there's James Hatfield. He's like... uh, He's in Metallica. I think that's what I'm... Ah i'm thinking of and then um but then he came back to earth and he continued doing the videos and he was Mm -hmm. like see this is a this is what is called a bowl and when i pour the cereal out of the bowl it just goes straight down into the bowl because of something we call gravity you know (laughs) and then this milk which normally as i open it would float around the room stays inside because of the same force and you'll see when i pour the milk it just goes also down into the bowl with the cereal because of this force called gravity. And as he's pouring it. it, as he's pouring it, he's just like, remarkable, wow! Like it's just like because he felt like.
1: Yeah, I've heard there's stories of astronauts coming down to Earth and literally, and they're uh, you know they'll be just talking to someone and they'll just let the glass in their hand float free and they're sure. like, oh, it won't float float free. It's gonna fall on the ground. Whoops.
0: Yeah, absolutely, right? You have to go, okay, so one of these walls is now permanently the floor. I see. Okay. <laughs> right. Like you got to sort of reorient.
1: And, okay, uh, we, we have to assign floors now. <laughs> you know, okay. Uh, so, I don't like your building binary system. <laughs>
0: exactly. Uh, okay, so we get a recap of what's happened so far in uh in this episode seven here did you say what it was called
1: it is the price of power
0: the price of power and so we get this little recap and then we come up on this super cool air barge dirigible kind of a thing it's but it's like this big rectangular balloon and it's got a a a rudder puffing out these little tiny circular thrust exhaust patterns like every hundred Every hundred meters or so, it's like this slow motion Jetsons car. <laughs> I
1: little freaking like, love. This sort of, I think they call it a dirigible. It's yeah. the coolest thing.
0: And it's out in the it's in the middle of nowhere, high up in the sky. It's just a, it's wonderful. It's just as soon as you open, you're like, ah, oh, I'm all in already. I love this. There's something
1: kind doing. of eerie about it. I think that's why it's just I'm vibing with it. It's yeah. Good.
0: And it is stacked high with, you guessed it shipyard cargo containers we see oh yeah in, <laughs> crates another another uh, another fantastic set involving shipyard cargo crates uh and they look super real world tron like. legacy is
1: all about that i guess
0: <laughs> yeah true yeah they show up a lot but they're like pretty much no change from real world yeah. um so there's like that this is not,
1: there's not that much you can do with them you know
0: i guess they look kind of cg anyway but these actually have, like, shipping labels on them or something, so they really look like they're just straight out of a, a ship somewhere. But, yeah. But, yeah, you're right. Like, Sam Flynn lives in one. They're all over the grid. I wonder if that's just coincidence because they're good MacGuffins and they make for good fights and shakes sequences. They're just giant rectangles, right? So
1: They do show up a little bit in science fiction, especially cyberpunk, so I wonder if it's just it's all lending itself to those visual aesthetics.
0: Yeah, they're really... Uh, brutal you know like like brutal architecture they're like just this giant monolithic rectangle and i can see how they're they're appealing you know
1: mm. uh so we get introdu- introduced to Shaw, who is this kind yeah. of yeah
0: we get this super this huge zoom in and we see four guards that are guarding like a giant bank safe kind of a looking thing in the middle of this nest of cargo containers and then we go closer still, and we see a, a viewport slot slide open in the bank safe, and we see a face peek out. And then some guy with slicked back hair giving expository dialogue. This is, uh, this is Shaw again, like you said, Shaw. He says, I build Tesla a weapon of unimaginable power, and he gives me eight guards. And I'm like, okay. This is like last time when it's like, you got to get that data cube back. It has all the yeah. passwords for everything on the ship. I'm like, okay. I guess that line's got to be in there somewhere, but that's a—that's uh, some expository dialogue.
1: <laughs> I love this guy's design. Just, he's all hunched over. He's got these really bold lines, even more so than usual. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me, um, there's an anime production company called Science Saru that do things like Devilman Crybaby and stuff like that. And okay. Especially on some shots later on when he's fighting Beck that... Yeah, they just really go nuts with these facial animation. It reminds me of the stuff they do.
0: It's fantastic. And this is, well, yeah, like, Paige's friends in the last episode were no exception, right? Like, they mm. were these really well-designed, fantastic characters. And then, like, Ada, the same thing. Ada was a really, really well-designed character. Like, I love that they're putting all this effort into the tertiary. Uh, into these it's other...
1: really good. I mean, you do have the, the guards who are very you know faceless interchangeable that. otherwise well except for that one guy who isn't technically real but the one who we like to imagine keeps a diary of yes (laughs) that's right that's right (laughs) he's got all the details But, but yeah i think when we get to the end of this uh series of reviews i will be able to very easily remember every single one of these characters
0: yeah Definitely, right, and I and I think that's that's fantastic. They didn't need mm. to go that hard with the design, and they and they did. But we see that this dude is is holding a data cube, like the one Beck and Page were fighting over on that island, which looks Alaska. like a Rubik's cube.
1: Which yeah, okay. It's... His name is Shaw, and also they use Rubik's cube kind of devices in Prometheus. And having become the ex the foremost expert on Prometheus, I feel like I just have to let everyone know that there's some there's some Prometheus connections here somewhere. Oh yeah,
0: was there a character named Shaw in Prometheus?
1: It's Elizabeth Shaw. She's the main character. Oh, right, right, right. And when they're giving their sort of talk at the beginning of, you know, hey, everybody, we're here chasing ancient aliens. You know the show on History Channel? (laughs) Yeah, we're doing that. So they have this little Rubik's Cube and they press a button and this little 3D display comes up. But... uh, I don't, no idea why the Rubik's cube keeps showing up in sci-fi. as I think it's a com- devices other. Than-
0: it's a compelling shape. Like here, it's four by four instead of three by three. But I think a cube is just you know you got a pyramid or a sphere or a cube. I think is are, are your choices <laughs> for that yeah. kind of for that kind of thing. And we see that there are four guards on the inside of the bank safe as well. So the exterior guards are the big hockey pad uh, respirator guys, and the ones on the inside. are... Are the sort of sleek uh, data plug leotard wearing guys with the motorcycle helmet. So we've got the 1982 mm-hmm. guards outside, and we've got the legacy guards inside, which I thought was kind of cool that they're both inhabiting the mm-hmm. same uh, the same space there. So, but the interior of this cell looks kind of like the Hulk prison cell in the, in the Avengers movie. There, it's a big oval oh, yeah. kind of shape.
1: That's a set that's so memorable. You know, there's not much to it, but you will remember that set forever.
0: Yeah, you say it and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah, really bold. And then uh, the
0: lights go out, and it's a good thing he's got eight guards um, hmm. because Beck is struggles for, like, half the episode here to take these guards out. It's it's what, a, what an epic battle. Just kidding. It takes two seconds. Yeah. Uh, Beck does a couple of flips, takes out all the guards, cuts open the door, quips a bit more takes out the guards inside and then uh Shaw slips out the door like i know like beck is really powerful and he's like half ninja or whatever and he has half of tron's disc on his back or whatever but
1: half tron half ninja <laughs>
0: half Tron, half ninja all oh, beck but these yeah. guards these guards in the thick armor just go down with a snap of the fingers and i, I think beck's a little overpowered sometimes i mean that's the genre yeah, but- whatever this the story's got to have Spider-Manning. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, you know, Shaw isn't just a prisoner. Um or no, sorry, Shaw isn't a prisoner. He's just valuable cargo. Mm. That's what it sort of seems like. Cuz when you see the the guards and the safe, you're like, "Oh, this guy's a prisoner. This guy's he's 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 going to be he's like, uh, "I I thought immediately that he was treasonous or something like that, but Turns out he's just valuable cargo that's being ferried on this uh, on this super cool dirigible, the super slow dirigible. I wonder why they, yes. uh, they put him on something so slow if he's so valuable. But he's got this—he's yeah. cool, got this really cool. Maybe m- they're harder to
1: detect or something.
0: Maybe they fly high, and they fly dark. I think maybe it's sort yeah. of
1: like the lower the tech, the more secure it is.
0: You're onto it. Absolutely, that's got to be it. And he's got this really cool minimalist outfit which has a lot of red, but it also has a few yellow highlights, which Mm. I think was originally the color of hacker search programs in 1982's Tron. So even though this guy's mostly red and is, you know, military or believes in Clue, is anti-user or whatever, his talents would seem to be sort of high-tech stuff, infiltration and repurposing, so... You know, he's all hunched over and whiny, so he's presenting as one of those highly intelligent characters that, like, hate direct battle, but could build an incredible poison or weapon out of, like, you know, a couple of nickels and a couple of coat hangers or something like that. He's coming across as one of those really, really, really hyper-intelligent, but sort of...
1: He's a Riddler type.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. But I like. almost said Mr. Freeze,
1: I'm like, well, no, because he he does have the Freeze gun, but he also is, like, a giant and hella jacked, so...
0: Yeah, and (laughs) Freeze is, like, sometimes I've seen him as really skinny, you know, but he's always Mm. been cold and stoic, and definitely... He's almost, like, to me, he's more like Dr. Doom. I think there's a Dr. Freeze, Dr. Doom... Oh, yeah, and they've both
1: been voiced by Maurice LaMarche, so maybe there's a connection there.
0: Well, there you go
1: so i'm a walking imdb for voice actors
0: fantastic
1: (laughs) i wanted to be an animator as a kid and then i realized oh no i just like character design and then that turned into fashion design and now it's costume design so here we are
0: wonderful i wanted to be a comic book artist and i ended up becoming an animator so
1: yeah it seems like those if you're in those sorts of fields you're you're gonna probably gonna remain somewhere within the vicinity you know six degrees of separation
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure
1: I actually find not too much of a tangent here, but watching designers who are more like concept designers or they work in animation, they do comics, whatever it is, seeing them make fashion, make costumes, that's really interesting to me because they come from a totally different outsider perspective. You know, I'm looking at runways. I'm looking at what the fashion community is already doing. But then, yeah, say there's a Mobius type who comes in out of nowhere with, like... You know the the quilting and the knee pads. It's like, oh my god, it's genius. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Yeah, for sure. And they've got no background in fashion. They just decided, yeah, aesthetically, this looks good. Yeah.
0: So they've got like a child's eyes for it. They they unknowingly mm. bring a breath of fresh air and all new stuff. You know, it's cool.
1: I've ruined myself now because it's like if I stop looking at the latest fashion trends, then basically I'm just going to be trapped in another time period, and that's actually not going to work in my no. favor. <laughs> no, can't undo it. So, Although, uh, maybe just exposing myself to enough science fiction will help me, you know, have that edge.
0: Well, it couldn't hurt, you know, yes. I'll, I'll say that much. Mm. Uh, so Beck intercepts Shaw easily, urging him to be the peaceful scientist he should be, but Shaw is not into it. <laughs> so <clears> he, <throat> he busts open this Rubik's Cube package and takes out a disc that has a bunch of, uh, a really a really skinny disc, a really uh, translucent disc, but it has all this cool circuitry all over it. But it looks kind of homemade, you know.
1: It looks because... like it could be a fluffy disc. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! That's
0: uh, but terrible. then he he adds that he adds but that, It does uh, look really flimsy. It looks flimsy, but it's still it's still rigid. And then he he adds that to his own disc, uh, grows a helmet, and he seems to have this huge infusion infusion of power. He does this. You know, big old arched back, shuddering, as he's yep. uh, something's going through his veins that's new. Uh, so Beck disks the floor and opens a crevice that races toward Shaw, mm-hmm. but then Shaw, you know, just runs on the wall. <laughs>
1: yeah, as <you laughs> what
0: do. as you do over to Beck and then kicks Beck through a wall. Uh, and then into a cargo container and then straight up pushes. Which again,
1: it breaks in a pixelated kind of way. It doesn't yeah. you know, impact inward like actual metal would.
0: Yeah. and then he, it, I'm surprised
1: it, the circuitry doesn't change color. His eyes change color. Uh, sure, his eyes change color. But.
0: You're right. Yeah. I'm surprised about that too, but I guess they need that for the rest of the episode. If you, if he did yeah. literally change color, then that would be a betrayer. But I like that the cracks in the, um, in The shipping container really thick walls, but the cracks in the shipping container after he gets knocked through it and into it uh, they remind me of the cracks in the wall when the light bike crashes into the side of the arena. Uh, that the crack that they escape through has that oh, same yeah. sort of like just a really smooth cross section of uh, of whatever that matter is. It's just a poly simple polygon faces in the crack, it's not you know complicated wreckage, it's almost like somebody just drew uh like a you know just a shape and extruded it and that's the that's the that's what the shape of the hole is but then this uh then Shaw just pushes the shipping container off the ship so we've seen him within within 10 seconds we've seen him run on the wall which is also
1: by the way underneath other shipping containers he's just pushing it out from yeah
0: yeah the middle so he he punches uh he punches back through a wall Runs on the wall himself, and then pushes two shipping containers or more just off the side of the ship. So we get an idea of like, this is intense. Like whatever, whatever he just added to his back really yeah. give him plus twenty to everything. Really,
1: and this is it's this sequence that he does. They do some really interesting things with Shaw's facial animation, and I try. I've been looking at it, trying to figure out what they've changed. It's like they almost make it flatter, which makes it stick out more. You know everything else is all three dimensional and, and shaded and stuff, but for some reason they're going much more comic style or even anime with with the line art on him. Yeah, well, on some angles it looks normal, and then other times it's just going over the top.
0: They play a lot with the depth of field, or uh, sorry, the uh, the aperture or whatever here as well, where they get kind of mm. fisheye and because like remember when Beck was losing his mind in uh, in the memory episode, it would like just totally zoom in on his face and go completely fisheye. And his eyes were like pointing in different directions as he would have another amnesia attack, you know, like, and that was, uh... uh,
1: yeah. Speaking of that, I've just recently discovered the lens correction option in Photoshop. And that's just blown my mind because you don't realize how much lens, Plays into how distorted oh, yeah. things can look. You know, some totally. people they don't like their selfies because they're not either. Well, it's either the camera itself. You know, camera phones because of just the distance you'll be holding it from your face never look right. Um, but yeah, some people are like, oh, I hate the way it looks. Like, no, you look fine. It's just the camera is distorting your face, so that's why yeah, you look weird. Yeah. So uh, a little bit t- tip though, if you hold the phone on its side, you actually get a better perspective, so it's not as warped. Don't know why that happens, but huh. it's true.
0: Cool. So Beck hops out of the container just before it hits the water. So just in case you were wondering, he doesn't die in the opening credits of this episode. He does survive. Would
1: have loved it if that happened in every single episode. <laughs> that would frankly, be pretty though.
0: cool. An Aeon Flux reverse where he dies in the beginning of every episode. Yeah. Maybe. But he, uh, the container hits the water. He jumps out and fires up his flyer, which he kamikazes into a wall near Shaw. And then they fight and he flips Shaw over the edge and it ends up with uh, Shaw dangling by his disc over the engines of the barge. (laughs) And his his plus 50 uh, disc in the back comes loose and Beck grabs it. But now Shaw's being super erratic, begging for the disc back, trying to hit Beck's hands. And eventually uh, Beck's grips uh, slips and Shaw falls into the engine and dies, <laughs> which is another well, another fantastic, well realized, beautiful uh, secondary character with lots of effort put into them has died. That seems to yeah. be almost every episode now. We had, for, for three episodes in a row now, we've had Lux and Kobol uh, two episodes ago. In the last episode, we had Paige's friends. And in this episode, we've got Shaw. <laughs> it just seems yeah. like they're all uh, it seems like we've got to have like a just don't like the people that you meet in this world in this world because they're they're going to die in about in five minutes after you meet them probably
1: but I think that does help to make you feel something for them because if they really were just the same cookie cutter model it would just be like eh, a oh yeah guy, whatever
0: oh yeah totally I completely
1: agree yeah that's fascinating how much appearance plays into how we empathize with something
0: well, it's also, it's how we empathize with something. It's why it's, you know, for a long time in movies, it was okay to kill Germans by the ton because they were just the bad guys, you know, from World yeah. War II. But that's, you know, different now and you can't really do that. But there always has to be like either a, 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 a like a demonized uh, country that we're mm. okay with killing in an action movie, like in uh, what was the True Lies right it was all like for a long time it was just the terrorists in quotation marks Um, well
1: it was the germans then it was the russians then it was yeah somewhere in the middle east yeah and yeah it nowadays it's it's more like science fiction it's a lot easier to get around
0: you get robots and aliens yeah there's less there's a disconnect there that sort of allows you to uh to roll with that like you need faceless minions really the ends of the avengers you know where it's just you know, th- these, aren't, these well, aren't other living, you know, complicated beings. They're just an, yeah, ar- an army of ants, right?
1: Yeah, because comic books definitely had a history where they, you know, the villains were humans. And it was actually, they did get involved in real or realistic human conflicts um even in a uh, fun little factoid about transformers g1 uh they had an episode where they well actually the middle east like just generally that uh, they were like made up middle eastern countries i think sometimes they did get specific and in one of those instances it was a very racist depiction and uh casey Kasem actually quit he was one of the voice actors and he went okay no i'm not okay with this so well, oh hi
0: good for casey yeah. Kasem. that guy seemed like a yeah. class act
1: yeah yeah
0: Uh, Let's see. So what do we got? We got back at the garage here. We got Hopper and Bartik are giving Zed and Mara a rough time. Uh, They've been assigned to the garage by Paige to make sure that Tesla's new super tank weapon gets finished on time. But they're being huge jerks about it. Mara's ready to throw down when uh, Abel comes in to defuse the situation. But Zed is not too happy about Mara coming to his rescue again. Oh, Zed. Poor Zed, <laughs> yeah, because they're 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 picking on Zed, and Mara's like, "You guys leave him alone." <laughs> and Zed is humiliated by that little uh, little bit.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is like when when a guy's getting picked on and then a girl defends him. It's just, I mean she means well, but it's not helping.
0: <laughs> no, it's kind of like having your mom come to your rescue in the playground or something. You know, you're like, uh, ah, yeah. or your dad for that instance, right? Like it can, well, yeah. yeah.
1: It is uh, what it oh my is. parents definitely did. Oh god, I get flashbacks. So embarrassed. Ah. Okay.
0: Well, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on. Tesla uh, childhood trauma.
1: Ah. <laughs> here comes.
0: Tesla uh, gets the Tesla gets the news that the scientist. Oh no! That uh, that the renegade escaped with the weapon and de-rezzed Shaw, the scientist. Uh, and and
1: but, uh, oh yeah, he gets.
0: He gets that he gets the news from one of the guards It's like, "Oh, so mm. he escaped, did he? With the disc and Shaw is dead." <laughs> and then he he, he, hey, does... he
1: just yeah, grabs the, the identity disc through through this guy's chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my it's, god.
0: It's the coolest execution. It is so cool. He punches so his, his super extendo glowing gadget fist right through the guard's chest, grabs the guard's disc on the way. Stops and then pulls the guard's disc back through the hole in his own chest. <laughs> oh, god! And then all the Drez cubes uh, go down in slow motion. And Paige and Pavel are both just like, "Damn! <laughs> oh my gosh! Yikes!
1: Oh dear!" Yeah. Well, does someone have to like sweep up those cubes, or do they just fade off for a while, or do they I, respawn? Uh, I think they just was...
0: uh, they fade off. I think they just they turn into dust and, and fritter away in the wind.
1: Yeah, cause I'm just imagining like an urn filled with those. <laughs> there must
0: be somewhere. Oh, it's people dust. <laughs> Back in Tron's cave, Tron is uh, isolating the super disc, and it would have given Tesla and his troops an unbeatable edge. But he's angry at Tron for letting the scientist die. And then he's... I
1: can't decide. You know, the character design for Tron like he's both handsome, but also right, reminds me of Woody from Toy Story. So
0: <laughs> oh, he does. Good call. Yeah, he's got that long face. Definitely, he's Pretty missing. Long. He's missing the big eyes. He almost has no eyes at all. But like, he's uh, he's definitely got that nose and chin going on for sure.
1: Yeah, like three quarters of his face is is woody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then so he... yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like you know, big wide open eyes. That's cute. That's friendly. And then you get the narrow squinty Clint Eastwood is like, oh, it's manly. Oh, handsome, yeah. mysterious. So yeah. that's why I'm like, is he handsome or is he woody? I don't know. <laughs> he's like. He's like
0: Yeah, he's like a both. He's both things. (laughs) Uh, Tron says that to destroy the desk, it'll take a high-powered welding torch of some kind. And Beck works at a garage where those things are. So he volunteers Mm. to destroy the disk before it falls into the wrong hands again. And Tron is like, promise me to destroy this immediately. Don't use it for yourself. And uh, Beck's like, sure thing, boss. And I'm like... Not for a second. Are you gonna? Are you gonna obey what he just said to you? Not. Uh...
1: Yeah, I mean, Tron. The look on his face is like, "You said yes, way too easy, bro." Oh yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, I'll do it right away. Absolutely. Just gotta do one <laughs> thing first, just one thing. So he's driving through Argon, and uh, your friendly neighborhood Beck sees smoke from a traffic accident. So goes over to superhero help the victims, and he goes into one of the vans that's overturned and it's full of Tesla troops. It's a yeah. trap! Ah, oh, jeez,
1: it's a trap! That's a trap! Ah, blah, 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 blah! That's <laughs> a trap!
0: And so he uh, ends up fighting them. He's vastly outnumbered. So, I mean, what does he do, Connor? What's he gonna do? He's uh, Go uh, there's too many. There's too many. Too many guys to fight yeah. here. I got
1: I... gotta use the superpower uh, uh, disc.
0: Uh, that's what he did yeah that's what he's gonna do so he puts on the superhero disc the the power disc the plus 50 hulk disc and he goes full-on neo the flash what nothing can touch him uh and then uh page opens fires on him in in an attack chopper chasing him into a tunnel and beck beck evades her like a ninja and she ends up clipping a wall and dumping the chopper and somehow Mm -hmm. not dying but uh, Beck smiles in triumph as he as he goes away from the carnage and the scene of battle. But Connor, Connor, his eyes are glowing red, his pupils oh, are no. his pupils are glowing red. That's the bad guy color, Connor.
1: That's it, it, that's all it will ever be. It can never represent anything else. <laughs> it can
0: never re- anything. else. It's pure bloodlust. He's just got, or whatever that is. It's got red lantern energy coursing through his veins now.
1: So it's just it's one of the so i think in china and india and a few other countries red is a color of good luck yeah really good and... luck super lucky yeah so I wonder how they respond to that, you know, is it, well, I guess if you're exposed to Western media, you now have to carry two different concepts in, in your mind simultaneously of, well, locally, that's what this color means, but internationally, not so much.
0: Well, I think it's the same way for, like, anime enthusiasts, where, like, a big a big bubble of water coming out of the nose means you're sleeping, you know, or, <laughs> yes. like, or blood... True,
1: sh- actually, I've picked up on these things without thinking about you it. You know,
0: like, blood shooting out of your nose just means you're embarrassed, Right, like stuff like that. That's become a trope that over there. But to somebody who's never seen an anime before, it would be like, "What the hell is happening?"
1: You know, like, the most confusing one is where someone gets hit on the head, and you know, like in Western cartoons, you probably get one lump. But they exaggerate like there's a tower of lumps, and you just go, "What? Ew! What is? <laughs> what is that? Take it away."
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think they do. I think they just have to say, "Oh, this is a Western movie where red is bad." You know, it'd be mm. cool to get, it'll be cool to get somebody like a movie fan's, uh, uh, you know, a movie enthusiast opinion from over there that like, do you just have to just recognize that Western movies, uh, red is often seen as a bad color. Do you just have to kind of know that, you know? Yeah. Because I mean, if you saw it, you know, Beck's eyes glowing red, you might be like, oh, sweet. He must have super luck powers, you know, <laughs> but you, you the, the, the tinge of evil wouldn't come across if you weren't aware of the fact that red is supposed to be bad
1: uh black and white's another one where black obviously over here that's a funerary color it's a symbol of death all that sort of stuff uh in japan it's the opposite and yet if you look at anime it's a little bit of both now they just they use both and i think we kind of do too just you know angels wearing white and all that it's all that symbolism just ends up in a melting pot yeah
0: that's good i like it i want it to be in a melting Mm -hmm. pot it's more more variety It's better. I like it, yeah. So uh, we cut back to the garage and Bartik and Hopper are strong-arming Zed again about the tank. And then uh, this is a good scene because Beck comes over to protect Zed. But Beck's a huge jerk. Beck is a huge jerk. His pupils are still red. He messes them up. And uh, Mara is like, Beck, stop. And Zed isn't grateful either. He's like, you made me look like a coward in front of Mara. (laughs) And Beck goes full jerk face and he's like, yeah, well, I didn't make you look like a coward. You are a coward and you should stop being <laughs> such a loser. <laughs> you know, like he just goes full on uh, douche on this guy. And
1: I love his body language here. Like he's he's kind of more hunched up in a in a predatory way. It's great.
0: Yeah. And I want to like earlier, I think in a couple episodes, I've said that I wasn't too hot on Elijah Wood being voice, cast as the voice because he's so... Mm he just comes across as angelic and innocent, even in the middle of a battle scene. But in this scene here, he's such uh, he's doing such a good job of being cutting and mean and sarcastic and just remorseless. It's fun
1: seeing him outside of his usual, uh, I don't know, style. Yeah.
0: He's so cruel to Zed here. And you're just like, Oh my gosh. I don't know. But we can see that the disc is still on his back. So we're getting a little moment here that like, ah, it doesn't just give you power. Um, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely or whatever. He's, he's got a lot of power, but he's also a huge, a huge jerk. So, and so we, uh, the super tank is ready and it's, and it's, uh, it's good to be shipped to Tesla's base. We see Abel talking to like, a, a, a different program, another really well re- realized tertiary character, which is nice to see. And this one's, uh, Asian, which is, uh, nice. I like the sort of varied representation we're getting in the show. We've seen a lot of programs from around the world with different facial features and skin colors, which is pretty yeah.
1: cool. Well, it's been a few episodes. I feel like since we saw some it diversity, has been.
0: it has been, they've been like focusing on, uh, different, uh, different, you know, cast members. So we've only been getting just them, right? Yeah. We've been backstories on a few people. So the world at large has kind of been away for the last, cause yeah, we had the stranded on an Island together and then we had, uh,
1: uh, yeah. So, yeah, we've kind you of... You know, one thing i was say is we've never really seen any instance of if there's really any cultural difference between the genders.
0: Not really. That would be
1: interesting to explore.
0: Like, they're attracted to each other, but there's not really hmm. cultural differences per se, which is
1: great, <laughs> which I like. We, yeah, we're... like Mara as a girl working as an engineer, same thing. Yeah. Mechanic, I should say.
0: And, I mean, we still get the thing that Zed is humiliated when he's protected by her.
1: Yeah, um, that's what I, I guess. That's where it, what started me on the thought. The first place yeah. was, yeah. So does that read the same way to them as it would to us?
0: I think it does, and I think that's the inference. Mm. So that's that's a that's a similarity. But Beck overhears that the tank is going to be shipped to Tesla soon, so he's like, "I think I know of a way to sneak into Tesla's base by using the tank as cover." Mm. So he's really going off the rails in terms of. uh Power there and by the way this this uh this super tank it's a super tank Mm -hmm. this thing is a leviathan it's massive it's like a like an arena on treads it gets uh wheeled into tesla's base with beck smuggled inside but geez this uh this thing's huge it's beautiful i love it
1: so this is another well this is a trope within a trope you know once the the hero gets this unlimited power the first thing he goes like no you know what i'm just gonna single-handedly take down the big bad guy because yeah. we've just messed it around for all these episodes and we should just get it done yeah and so yeah he does he, he 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 just goes straight for tesla and, uh, we're you know, on uh, we're on around.
0: episode seven of a 16 episode series so you know he's not gonna <laughs> yeah. get the job done so but I, yeah. I did like that it happened so quick he's like doop to do i'm gonna try on the disc I'm going to go Tesla. I'm going to go kill Tesla all by myself. You're like, wow, this thing does not mess around. This disc really does. It really gets you all jazzed, hopped up on goofballs in no time at all. So, so he, uh, Beck sneaks out of the tank and just shows up on a catwalk behind Tesla and is like, you and me, buddy, let's go. I'm like, wow. Wow. All right. You, okay. Uh,
1: right. Yeah, I was like Yeah. Just right going now. in for the kill. <laughs> but no I like... free devil.
0: And Tesla's like uh, really rolls with it because Beck's talking some some super big deal smack talk to Tesla, saying you're a coward, <laughs> you're a coward, and you you hide behind your minions and lackeys. And Tesla fires up his glow fist and says, "At least I'm not wearing the mask of a dead program." You know, like, oh well, fair point. You know, like he just sort of <laughs> he just comes right back with like, "I'm hiding." you're hiding game on. Right. And I was like, cool. So it was a big fight. And, uh, Oh, there's a really cool bit here where Tesla slips into some sort of, uh, super gun outfit rig for oh yeah de-
1: what, what is that
0: it's like a, a personal aircraft anti-aircraft gun that he just kind of like is hanging out over in a corner of a room and he slips into it for a second to shoot it back and then back destroys it and then that's it that's the last we see of it but i'm like what the heck was that that's that was pretty wild a little
1: i was just thinking about how so he's basically under the influence of a, a kind of drug yeah. and i've been in situations like that you know after a surgery or uh, even just like cold medication, there's a reason why they just like don't operate heavy machinery because you think you're in control of yourself, you yeah. think you're fine, yeah. and then the next day you just go, "What the hell? I've I've done. I've had nights where I was like, I'm in the zone writing, but I'm actually, you know, I have a fever. I'm losing my goddamn <laughs> yeah. mind. And then you read it the next day, you're like, what? What is this? I don't even understand. Half yeah. Of it.
0: Like reading your, reading your uh, – that the cool idea you had in a dream or something and you wake up and you yep. <laughs> feverishly scribble it down because it's the best thing ever. And then you like read it by the light of day at lunchtime and you're like, what? You
1: know, <laughs> There is a cold medication that is for children, by the way. And I used – my mom used to give this to me. It would make the walls melt. <laughs> oh, my God. I had a weird reaction to it. Wow. Yeah. I remember yeah, – It's crazy how you just – you feel like you're normal. And yeah. then on hindsight –
0: like there was a really good uh, anti-drinking PSA in Scotland that I remember, where uh, there's a, um, a it's it's like two in the morning on a Saturday. Everybody's hammered. They're out having a good time. The bars are closed. They're going home, and uh, a, a woman's scarf blows up onto some uh, scaffolding, and this uh, this guy's like, "Oh my God, she's pretty," and I'm gonna come to the rescue, and all this super mu- superhero music starts playing. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> And he like runs over to the scaffolding and he runs up the scaffolding to get her, uh, you know, to get her scarf, gets her scarf, slips off the scaffolding and then falls to his death. You know, (laughs) splits his head open and breaks his back on the pavement and the superhero music stops, you know, and then it's just the sound of sirens and like it all cuts back to like diegetic sound. And you're like, oh, yeah. And I thought it was a really good representation of like the unearned mistaken confidence that you can get yes. under the influence of some things where you think you're in a movie but oops guess what the stakes are real you're not you
1: know uh my brothers have both split their heads open and i just how do you well maybe there is some permanent damage they're very weird but um yeah, yeah god oof ne- never never want that to happen
0: nope no, absolutely not. So, uh, but then we find Abel's on the ship. He hasn't left. He's still delivering the tank. So he's like, oh no, I got to watch out. This giant battle that I'm having, now there's somebody in the ship that I know. So, but, uh, Tesla's fists are, are they're, they're doing this wild stuff. They're flying down in all these different angled, uh, shapes, like, uh, Darkseid's I <clears throat> beams in the old Kirby comics, you know? They're like, <gasps> yes. They're like chasing back in all these, like, 45 degree angles and loops, and, uh, and then Tesla extends a fist up to an airship and grappling hook grappling hooks himself to safety, which is a pretty cool function of those extendo wrists. And then he leaves a <laughs> he leaves a grenade behind. Oh no. They're such
1: a weird concept, the, uh, the 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 stretchy hands, and yet love it. It's just so cool. It's so unique. You can do a lot with it. It's great. Yeah,
0: and I like that we've seen it punch through the chest of somebody. Um it's cool that it, it, we see the uses that it has. It's like, I like that he's got something that nobody else has.
1: Yeah, that's 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 what your villain needs. You know, you need I'm that. I wonder if he augmented himself or if he was just created that way. I wonder
0: if we get into that. I don't know. I'd, I'd like to believe that if he was kind of like a Sark character, that maybe his user gave him this extra power or or yeah, yeah maybe, maybe he did it himself. Like, how do you come across that kind of... It's like a magical weapon, like indeed. Yeah, like or what other right?
1: purpose could that have other, as, other than being a weapon?
0: Almost like an invasive virus or something like that. I would, I would think.
1: But I that's... still don't know what what we should actually officially say when we're talking about you know since a program was born, since they were activated. There's no official term. Like in Transformers, it's since someone was forged or constructed. Uh, Easy done.
0: Yeah. Oh, you could say created. I guess written.
1: Yeah, created. Written. Written. Yeah. Yeah
0: but the grenade that the, yeah, activated the grenade that tesler leaves behind damages the recognizer they were on sends it down into the super tank damages the super tank also wounds abel so beck escapes through the closing doors with the injured abel and takes him back to the garage and leaves him on the doorstep where those two other mechanics uh, one looks like
1: him. a vulcan with that heck
0: yeah one looks like a vulcan and the other one is that other program that uh abel was talking to so there's more than just three mechanics at abel garage abel's garage so that's cool these two uh well designed yeah yeah hmm. we got a vulcan bowl cut but then abel's got a lot of these really cool pixelated wounds and
1: uh he the wounds in this universe very cool which is much could, more interesting than than else
0: and they could have used more of that in 1982 like there's a there's the bit where ram dies and it's he dies almost like uh uh, Princess Leia's mother does in uh, in 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 the, in the first in the, in the second the, the sixth Star oh, Wars Padme. movie when Padme dies she just kind of dies of a broken heart she just kind of like, ah yep. just dies and uh, and as Ram kind of Ram kinda does that too like ostensibly he's damaged but you don't see it
1: right mm-hmm. he he
0: he just lies down on the floor of the of the Recognizer and just kind of fades away and. It would have been cool if he was missing an arm, or if he had some of the pixelated damage like uh, like Abel has here. That would have been really, really sweet. It would have benefited, but they didn't. They didn't have the time or the money, I guess. I'm sure they talked it over.
1: Yeah, wondering if that was just too complicated to do back then.
0: Well, I mean, you know, Sark takes a headshot and a bunch of brains come out. You know, like mm. so. They, they they had the mm. they had the I they had the possibility to do it, but uh, yeah, I'm sure they had to pick the they. I, they definitely had to pick their battles with that movie when it came to effects. They had to <laughs> spend their money and their time where it was best served, and uh, yeah. So back at uh, so we see that well, Pest- Tesla's feeling back. <laughs>
1: Oh, sorry. Did you uh, see the corridor digital where they tried to recreate a scene from the original Tron yeah, in a day? I sure did. If they, in a one day, they yeah. just made it look pretty much exactly the same.
0: Well, it was pretty good. Yeah, there was a few tells, but the ones that the the, the scenes that worked were really impressive.
1: Yes, I did notice the speed of their the their grid. bikes weren't yeah, the, the sc- same. Well, the grid underneath was not moving the speed it's supposed like, to. Not wise. even remotely.
0: But other than that, yeah, it was really really quite good. I would love to see mm. them take a. A better crack at it with software that they know inside and out. That would be... Uh, yeah. That would be cool. Because it was a flex, right? That they were going to yeah. le- learn software while they were doing it. And I'm like, okay, I get it. You guys are great. But I would have liked to have seen... Yeah, you something.
1: kind of have to up the challenge. Because, like, of course, any student could probably make the original Tron movie uh, now. Maybe. Quite easily. <laughs> I,
0: think it's, I think it's more of a challenge than they're letting on. But... Um... If you want to mm. actually... Well, if you're like... doing
1: like a pure digital scene, like there's no human characters involved. I think once the human characters get involved, that's where it gets kind of challenging.
0: Yeah, ironically, the CG parts are super easy now compared to the human parts would be way harder. They were difficult back then, and to recreate <laughs> it perfectly would be difficult right now. I'm glad that they... They uh they talked about that in the show. They were they 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 really took their hats off to the effort involved in the 1982 movie instead of like smugly looking down on it. And I was like I was really happy about yeah. that.
1: Yeah. Um, something I've been thinking about with both Tron and Transformers, the characters that don't actually get tired or need to sit down or anything like that, is I've noticed that in storytelling in these universes. Sitting, standing, lying down, all these things take on uh, a different social meaning. Sure. So, you know, you, like uh, in Tesla's case, you know, sitting on a throne, there is a power dynamic there or where characters are just sitting around to say Beck and his friends are sitting around talking, socializing. It's more it's just to show that they're relaxed yeah. and to subtly convey or subconsciously convey their intentions, like they're not going anywhere; they're just killing time. Yeah. That, yeah, I I hadn't thought about it the first time I was watching this series. We're watching it again now, especially doing a deep dive into Transformers as well, and just how a writer approaches these things and how we anthropomorphize the non-human. Yeah, even those very basic things that in our world, well, I'm sitting down because I'm tired. I'm not going to stand up and podcast for hours. Yeah, but in their world, well, they could. But why are they not doing it? Ah, there's got to be a reason. Now. Yeah,
0: yeah, and in, in a lot of cases, if they're lying down, it's because they're dead or unconscious. They're not just lying down, <laughs> you know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Although we, when we meet Cora, she's kind of splayed out on a chaise lounge in the, in Legacy there, but
1: yeah, although she's an ISO, so you know,
0: maybe she's just a bit more expressive. Yeah, they march to the beat of their own drum. Those uh, those ISOs. But back yeah. at uh, back at Tesla's damaged base, Pavel pins this whole. Travesty on Page, saying like Page, this is your fault. You tried to build the super tank, and that turned the renegade onto us. And uh, and he says, and then Pavel's got Pavel's like I've got an idea. Innocent hostage civilians as uh, Tron <laughs> as bait for the renegade. And Bartik and Hopper are like, and we know just the civilians to use. And so uh, I think that's that's the the mechanics at Abel's garage are about to get rounded up. Um, and they do three three recognizers descend into abel's garage and uh now we see we, we like this is a bunch of mechanics getting rounded up here it's not just four or five there's like 20 and there's lots of women in mm. the mix which is really cool too but uh beck avoids capture so he goes back to tron tron is not cool with beck keeping the weapon he's like beck i told you it's a bad idea and then Beck's going back and forth between begging for help and being a huge jerk to Tron. He's like, yeah, what would you know, old man? I'm super sorry. You're right. You jerk. You idiot. You can't tell me what to do. (laughs) You know, he's going, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, but I hate you. (laughs) Yeah. So and then they fight. And Beck.
1: I like that. Again, it's the same thing as when he was losing his memory. You've got this real character dynamic. There's tension there. There's something going on where we, you know, we didn't have much of that at first. And, all, well, Tron isn't in the show that much. But they're making good use of the time these two characters have together.
0: I agree. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That they fight and then Beck almost kills Tron uh, before he realizes, okay, Tron, you're probably right. Like, my light disc is literally at your throat. <laughs> whatever's, yeah. go- whatever's going on with me. Whoops. Accidental murder. <laughs> this is not cool, right? So... So back at the,
1: I like that he is reasonable. He's not one of those characters like, no, screw you, Dad. I have all the power now. Yeah, yeah.
0: He has moments of that, but he does come to his senses, right? Hmm. And this is the same as when he lost his memory. It was Tron saying, you know, I'm your friend, that made him go, oh, oh, and then made his sort of memory come back and remember who he was, kind of thing. Like there's a that bond there where he's like just about to kill Tron, then he's like, okay, this has gotten to a place. This is not good.
1: So, uh, Oh my god, because, okay, so this trope, because I've seen so many things. So there's a line here, I'm just reading Tron saying, like, you're strong both mentally and physically, and, uh, what well, hang on, what does he say after that? Uh, uh, now, now to prove it. I thought Optimus Prime said that in another show. Oh, well, problem. <laughs> it's all blurring into one, they're all <laughs> the same.
0: It's got to be yeah. hard not to write the exact same script. You know, with all the formulas that are out there, it's got to be really hard to not accidentally throw the same lines into, like, six different series, you know?
1: Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Optimus Prime did say that, but maybe I've just been watching way too many cartoons and researching. <laughs> yes, Paraphrase uh, it, at least. Actually, much like Optimus Prime, I love that Tron is very patient. I mean, he's, he's gruff and he's grumpy, not like Optimus, but... Yeah, never seems to lose his patience. Really, even a situation like this, Tron's very calm. And going, you, now you see why you got to get rid of this. Yeah.
0: yeah, he's a good mentor that way, and also like when, like his values become clear. Because when the scientist dies, he's like, like in the in, in, he's like, you shouldn't have let the scientist die. Mm. You know, and he's like, this object of ultimate power, you need to destroy it immediately. And like the last, when he got trapped on the island there and he lost the data cube, Tron was like, it's okay that you lost the data cube. That's, this is a war. This is battle number 628. You lost this battle. Yeah. We're still going to win the war. The important thing is that you were friendly to an enemy. Yeah.
1: That's, yeah. He's got that's good, he's good. Got values.
0: You know, and that's like, oh, okay, cool. It's good to see, right? It's, it really places him on the good guy spectrum. It really, it really places him in, in Jedi, you know, like... That's what's important. Mm. So, but we're back at the garage now. Jet walls have been set up all around the prisoners, including Zed and Mara. Uh, Bartik and Hopper are gloating on the outside, and Pavel is overseeing it all with his smug face and his ridiculous chin. <laughs> he's, he's, I swear to God, it's like Jay Leno times thirty. He's just got this giant pointy chin. And then, uh, so Beck sneaks in, pausing to put the bonus disc under this wild massive bean shaped blob of nonstick white plastic. it looks
1: like something out of portal i love it
0: it really does and it's got this little hal 9000 eye. and one thing i like about it is it's just floating there in zero g and it says laser on the side <laughs> it just says <laughs> laser I'm like oh, okay well that's cool i guess we know what that is yeah
1: so just so you don't accidentally destroy everything in the room
0: yeah so he he retreats far away and then a safety glass door has come down and then he goes over to the to the little uh you know, interface thing to turn it on. And this this whole room is hilarious to me. Like it's so cool, but it's wild that this is the first time we're seeing it. <laughs> you know,
1: this is I love that insurance where you go, hang on, this was in this location this whole time and we've never seen it before. How come?
0: This is just in the back of the garage. This is one of their and like when he said I have a a high power welding torch back at the garage, I thought he meant like you know, an arc welder. Yeah, like a handheld yep. arc welder or propane torch or whatever or something. And but this is like this is like a nuclear option of lasers, you know, and uh, something you might find actually within the walls of Lawrence Livermore Laboratories back in uh, back in California. Yes. So. Um,
1: very science. It's a very huge room. I don't know why you need all that space for one little laser.
0: What part of working on cars and bikes requires this room? You know, like that's what yeah. I'm like, what? What are do you doing? Do Maybe that's
1: why it? it's so big. You are bringing vehicles in here and you're doing laser things i
0: suppose if you're going to make something like that super tank we saw yeah so he he fires up the laser and uh blinds the whole room with a bright flash of light and destroys the disc which is awesome except oh no he goes in there and the disc is not destroyed and pavel steps out from behind the laser and he has the disc in his hand
1: never leave your belongings unattended but i'm like
0: i'm just kind of like how is pavel not dead because he was in the room yeah i would love it
1: he he walks out and he's just glowing red like a sunburn (laughs) yeah
0: i'm like you you were behind the laser when it went off he went behind like five layers of protective
1: glass yeah (laughs) okay but because i had to go back and watch that like wait did the like so definitely went off yeah okay no he should be dead did he come in
0: through the trap door or how did how did that you know like i, I would like a little more explanation because that seems just plainly impossible but but yeah. so he put oh, it, it looked cool whatever yeah and then we need them to fight. So he puts the disc on the back, on his own back, and feels the power rushing through him and in some of the grunts. Uh, and this
1: is peak it is peak Paul Rubens just peak in, Paul Rubens. mad laughing. Yeah. yeah.
0: And mm. during this fight with all the grunts and screams, I can sort of hear Pee Wee Herman peek through just a bit here and there when he's
1: like Yeah. Totally. And then, uh, honestly, I can just make myself laugh by doing the Pee Wee laugh. It's
0: great. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's, so good. it's so joyous. And then Pavel puts Beck's head into the control panel for the laser, which sets it off. But it also has hit it off kilter, so now this this frankly ridiculous laser is turning in a lazy circle, sending out its twenty billion kilowatt laser like a lighthouse into the garage at chest height once a rotation every 30 seconds so anyone that doesn't duck <laughs> anyone that doesn't duck every 30 seconds gets cut in half and killed like that scene in the beginning of that movie ghost ship right where that like that oh my god
1: that, i did watch that that <laughs> high that while, right
0: yeah that high tension wire snaps and cuts like a whole ballroom full of people in half but uh you know the mechanics duck and the bad guys don't so Lucky for everybody in the garage, <laughs> only the red programs die. Everybody, nothing to see here. <clears throat> but then that also disables the prison walls around the mechanics, so they're all they're all free, which is pretty cool. And then a, a a rolling, there's a cool bit here where Zed squats down into the path of a rolling disc from a dead program, and it it cuts his handcuffs off. He manages to get his handcuffs yeah. in the path of the rolling disc. I'm like, that's pretty. I like that pretty smart said good thinking yeah but then again we he's see a, a
1: brain sometimes
0: a rolling disc from a dead program so i don't know if there's a stack of programless discs hanging around in the world that are just uh, don't have bodies anymore or do they fade after do RIT? they
1: maybe uh, the oh god i can't remember the actor's name that the character looked like This selling counterfeit discs that guy oh cobalt peter uh, peter stormer yeah cobalt yeah. that's right yeah i wonder if he's uh he just collects those and sells those off
0: i hope so i hope that they're permanent i, I hope that there's just like because they had to destroy lux's disc in the acid pools or whatever because mm. she had seen uh tron without a helmet or something so
1: maybe it's like the stacks and altered carbon just yeah put on a new program yeah keep on living
0: i think so right it's it seems to be somewhat that way but sometimes your disc gets destroyed with you it's kind of inconsistent
1: yeah uh, I love the, the, the shot where Beck, well, the renegade, put Halty's hand up to the laser, and he's got the disc in his hand, and he just cuts it in two, and it's just a really cool shot. I love oh, that. this
0: is a definitely cool, guys don't look at explosions moment. Yeah, like, so Zed and sure. free the other explorer, free the other prisoners. Uh, yeah, Zed saves Mara's life from falling debris while the laser is still merrily destroying the entire garage. I feel bad for Abel in this scene. <laughs> and Zed—they uh, have
1: insurance in this world. What's the, uh, what's the deal? What's the situation? Do they, they have hope. an economy. I don't know.
0: Or do they just go back to their latest save and build the garage back up? Like I don't—I don't even know how it all works in this world. But yeah. uh, Zed even saves the life of Bartik and Hopper, which is awfully nice of him. Uh, so uh, Beck manages to get the drop on Pavel, knocks him out. Steals the disc and, like you said, holds it up in a cool hero style without even looking at it right in the path of the laser, cutting it in half. But, man, mm. Abel's garage is really messed up.
1: It's wrecked. You know, it's really interesting that Bartik is kind of a bullied character here, but he ends up being... So in Tron Legacy, it almost feels like he's like... The chosen one on a quest in the background of this other story that's yeah. kind of what the role he plays totally and it's fascinating like what what, what happens to this guy yeah Clearly he goes on a journey
0: until like until talking to you about this uh, cartoon i didn't realize that he showed up in legacy but i remember his entrance very well in mm. legacy and it, yeah it's exactly right he's like a side quest hero that <laughs> returns and except we never got to see the first part like and So I wonder if his character is going to go anywhere in this series and uh, if we'll get a clue or a glimpse of of where he ended up going. But hopefully, we'll see. Yeah. But later, Mara is repairing herself because she's an engineer. And I wonder if there's a difference between medics and engineers in this. uh, If you're a programmer, are you just both? You know, I guess maybe you could have your area of specialty. Huh. You could be your your a programmer for humans or a programmer for vehicles, so you can like sort of specialize in that way. But she's under the impression that Tron saved Almost her. Almost
1: like everyone knows a little bit of first aid. Yeah,
0: exactly, right? But she's under the impression that Tron saved her. But uh, Beck comes in and tells her, "Nope. Zed saved you." So we now we know that good guy Beck is back and Mara's grateful. But Zed is like, uh, wait a second, Beck. You weren't there. <laughs> how do you, how do you know? And Beck's like, well, uh, I'm sure that anyway, you would have saved her, wouldn't you? And she sort of tries mm. to get out of it, but but uh, back at Tesla's palace, Pavel has also disappointed Tesla, and he's getting a dressing down, much to Paige's delight. And we get a really cool ending here where he goes back to his quarters and he still has half of the super disc. and so he's looking at the, his half of the super disc and before his very eyes, the half disc starts to heal itself, turning from a from a from a, a rainbow to a capital C. It starts to grow back together and it'll soon join to become a full disc again. Oh no, it's self repairing. Shoot.
1: I did not notice that.
0: Yeah. So he's looking at it like, "How do I figure this out?" And then it starts to grow back all by itself, and he's like, "Oh, sweet!" And then he goes full, full Paul Reubens. Everything's here. coming up, Pavel. Everything's coming up, Pavel. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> <laughs> and he does his, uh, his evil laugh with just a just a dash of pee around the edges there, but he goes full on, full on cackle. So uh, it's great stuff. <laughs> so at the end of this episode, the weapon is still out there in the wild, and uh, Pavel has it. But Tesla doesn't know, so maybe uh, maybe Pavel's gonna make a power grab for himself. I don't know. We'll see. But it's a good episode. That was a good episode there. Like you said, yeah. it, was, uh, it was that 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 trope of uh, what was the trope called again? That
1: uh, was uh, it. With great power comes great insanity. Yeah, that's right. Yeah,
0: for sure. That's it's it's common, but it's a good one. It's uh, I, I like it. You know, I like I like seeing that happen. Like. Uh, well, you didn't s- like uh, Barclay in uh, in Star Trek, right? <coughs>
1: oh yes, when Barkley gets Barkley.
0: reprogrammed and uh, becomes like a hundred times smarter than the computer, and, <laughs> you know? Yeah, super awesome, right? Uh, I love those episodes. Yeah,
1: and like it actually kind of traumatizes him afterwards, where he's just like, "I had the power of a god. I could think all these things that I can't now, and now I feel really limited, and I gotta live with that." And just like, yeah, wow, oh Lordy, yeah. that's a that's an existence.
0: Yeah, to fly that high, to be a uh, post-god, you know, that would be... Post-god, yeah. Pretty, pretty not so good. Like when Q gets his powers taken away, he's like, this blows. That actually <laughs> upset
1: know? me. Like like his, going, his experience of having to be human is like, oh, I feel this. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> Give like... Give me existential the, dread.
0: The other night, all the energy left my body and I couldn't move it. <laughs> and then I lost consciousness. And they're like, yeah, you, you, you fell asleep
1: i love i love you the contrast you fell asleep <laughs> you know, it, was like it, was, it was terrifying it was
0: terrifying like well <laughs> i guess if you've never done it before yeah that would be really
1: creepy. why my cue voice always sounds like friggin snaggle person you know what to be honest it makes sense <laughs> exit stage left even yeah totally <laughs> well that brings
0: us to the end of uh, tron episode tron uprising episode seven A fantastic episode corker of an episode
1: <sighs> love the show
0: Really looking forward to the next ones, uh, but uh, yeah. Hey, what's,
1: what's our next one? I, I can't see. Disney Disney Plus, help me out here. Disney Plus. still plus. <laughs> Disney, please. <laughs> plus, please. Um, the reward Becks night off is ruined when the occupation arrests an innocent program. Dun, Don't dun, they always dun. do that?
0: That's kind of their deal, I thought. But mm. oh well. Well, uh,
1: oh, 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 and after that is the episode where you have Clue, Big Bad Clue showing up. Oh, I love this one! Mm. I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's Fred Tattershaw doing uh, the voice of Clue, and it's freaking spot on. It's oh, crazy. I thought they got Jeff Bridges to do it. I know, right? So Fred Tattershaw, he's best known. Uh, he just did a of Hulk. Every Hulk you've probably heard in a cartoon. Uh, if that wasn't Mike Ruffalo, yeah, that's probably Fred Tattershaw.
0: Wow, he nailed it. great thank you for joining us for this episode of animatronic I've been Duncan Shields
1: and I have been Courtney Colson
0: and tune in next time for another episode of animatronic end End of of line. line